0: Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken as much as the healing and thriving because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, how's everybody doing? All right, you guys, have a good Thanksgiving. Um, I, I just have one quick question. How many of you guys like cranberry sauce? Why? I don't understand that. How many of you do not like cranberry sauce? Uh, wow, we got a lot of uh, attention right there. Yeah, I, I don't know. My wife loves it. People love it. I just, I don't get it. I like cranberry juice, but uh, how many of you like yams? I hated yams all my life until about 10 years ago, and something snapped in my head. Now I, lo- I think they're my favorite now of all things, yams. Just so good, but yeah, I love those things about Thanksgiving. Um, today we're going to, um, in case you're new with us, watching online or here, I'm Jim Del Campo. I'm the uh, lead pastor at New Beginnings, and uh, hey, thank you. Got <clears throat> praise the Lord. <clears throat> Appreciate that. Um, uh, tell my wife to clap for me sometime. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, we're finishing up a series. Uh, we, this is our fifth week. We're going to start a new series next week called Christmas Isn't Canceled. And we're going to take the Christmas story from different dimensions Um, that'll be really interesting, I think. But um, I'm going to look today at unrealized potential. Because, you know, we've traveled through this series and we've seen the story of the five, two, and one talent situation where the boss gives them all plenty to work with. And we've seen where God has endowed us with gifts, talents, and abilities. We've seen now we're called uh, on the carpet to give an account for what we did with our gifts, talents, and abilities in this story. We looked at where um, <clears throat> the the guys with the five and two talents where they doubled theirs, and they are. The boss is very happy, but he doesn't compliment them on doubling it. He compliments them on their faithfulness. The fact that they did something with it. And then last week, we looked at the guy with the one talent who did nothing with it. And then he blames the boss. I mean, a lot of people like to do that. They like to blame other people because they think everybody else is responsible to make them happy. Not so. Never teach your kids that. Teach your kids they are responsible for themselves. Any amens on that? That's what needs to be a strong message in our day and age, I believe. Now, <clears throat> today we're going to look at the end of it. And, um... I, I got to tell you that I, uh, I struggle with this introduction and this whole message because uh, the, I think it's the older I get. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't like unhappy endings. Anybody like that with me? I don't like unhappy endings, and I don't like movies that end unhappily. They ever feel like when you watch a movie that you should have been consulted for the rewrite at the end of that movie? Man, that happens to me here and there. I feel like, why didn't they call me? I would to tell them how to write the ending correctly. And this has an unhappy ending. And I don't like the ending of it, because it's, re- it's a real bummer. But it's in the Bible, and Jesus is telling the story. And so I've got to talk about it, because um, here's this guy with the one talent, and we know from last week, does nothing with it. Um, he lives a life of um, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And now he's standing before the boss and it's a picture of you and I standing for Jesus one day and we have to give an account of what we did with our gifts, talents, and abilities for the kingdom of God. And we're gonna look back and think, well, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I really coulda, woulda, shoulda those things. And you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of regret. Now I've, I've come to realization in my life and, and I think the older you get, the more you must come to this realization. And that is this, that there's a lot of potential that you have and I have. But not everything is gonna be realized, all of our potential, because we are flawed, fallen human beings. Would you agree with that? I, I think where I've come to now is that, um, um, that if I, can, uh, if I can limit and keep it at a low uh, point, all the things that uh, I didn't fulfill in life, I'll have, I'll have less regret in my life. If I can live out most of what I thought I was supposed to do, and keep to a low, low minimum all the coulda, woulda, should shouldas, I'll be okay with that. And I think that's a better way to go instead of living all the cliches. How many of you realize we just live in a society of cliches all over the place? Well, we need to live in a, a society of reality. So I think that as we look at this unrealized potential and me not liking unhappy endings, that um, I, decided, I decided something that I'm only gonna talk about the unhappy ending in point three. Okay, is that okay? I have to talk about it because Jesus talks about it. And I know that I'm not just to sit here and talk about all the fun things and the good things and bless you and bless you. There's some tough things in the Bible, are there not? And Paul would say it in the book of Acts, chapter 20. He says, I didn't shrink back from proclaiming to you the full counsel of God. In other words, he gave you the whole shot, the whole slam. And so I'm going to give you the whole thing in this when I finish it in point three. Because it is kind of an unhappy ending. And in point one and two, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some application from these last verses, from the interaction between the boss and the man with the one talent. And I think that'll make a lot of sense. I'm hoping it will make a lot of sense. But first, for the last time in this series, uh, let's go over our key verses. And they are these. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before... Great men. Read the next one with me. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, we've uh, reduced that to a tagline, and that's this, God gave it, don't waste it. Say it with me. God. Let's try it with all of us here and all of you at home here. God gave it, don't waste it. Now, we've said it every week, and now I'll say it for the final time. Here's how those things work together for us. There's a literal where the guy brings his gift to get in to see a person of importance. It opens a door. I've taken the essence out of that, and we say our gifts, our gifts, talents, and abilities, they open doors for us in our life. And every one of us has plenty of gifts, talents, and abilities. The second verse, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. 29, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. You will not stand before obscure men. And um, the word skill there, as I've told you every week, means to flow like water. And so when you put it all together, you have certain gifts, talents, and abilities. And when you become skilled at those things, when you use them and use them and get better at them and better at them, you begin to flow like water. It's effortless for you in those areas. To the point that you will stand before kings, you will stand, you'll be elevated up in whatever positions because you're a valuable commodity, because you are very good at what you do. And we've also said that we can use our gifts, talents, and abilities, and we should in our vocational life, and in our church ministerial life. And as I've told you weekly that some of you will think, Jim, you're the minister. No, the Bible in New Testament teaches we're all ministers. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a minister. That's why you've been gifted to do something in the local assembly of God here, the local church. And so we're to use these things. We're, called on the, we're going to be called to account for what we did or what we didn't do one day, and that's at the end of life. And then the, the story way back where it said after a long time means after a lifetime. So we're going to go through three things today, and I hope they make sense to you. The first two, I'm going to take the essence out, practically apply, and then point three, I'm going to bring home the, the unhappy news for the man, okay? But there's unhappy news along the way. So here we go, number one, and that's this. It says, if I do not know how to manage what is mine, what is mine will be given to others. Now, how many don't want that to happen in their life? Now watch what the verse says. This is Jesus speaking in verse 28. He says, Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Now what just happened? The man with the one talent has come up. He's made all kinds of excuses of why he didn't do anything. He's even blamed the boss that you didn't give me anything to work with, which is a lie. And once all this transaction takes place, the boss says, you know what? Take away what I've given to this man. Take away the one talent and give it to the one who has double bears from five talents to ten talents. Give it to them. So the man, in the story, he not only loses what he had to work with, What I will infer right now is there's a theme in here that I think I see, and I did a series on this a couple years ago called Greater Later. It was a financial series. That you know what? Every one of us is moving towards a later in our life. Any amens? But you want to live a greater later, do you not? Especially financially. If I'm a young person today, I really listen to us older people who have lived life in my 20s and 30s. I would really listen close because we have the experience to tell you and it's biblically true that you know what if I don't work well with what I've been given in my life if I don't do the right things with my money when I'm younger then it's going to fall into somebody else's hands in one way or another am I correct and my later will not be greater I'll be a later hater instead it'll be a greater later it'll be the opposite of that now let me get on the nitty gritty of what I'm trying to tell you Because if I don't manage what is mine, if I don't manage well what is mine, it's going to end up in someone else's hands. Um, I think we all feel like we work hard for our money. Do we not? And because we work hard for our money, um, there are other people that want to get our money from us. Am I correct? Through marketing, different things. And there's nothing wrong with that. They just want to make their living also. So all the salesmen, everybody else, they're just trying to make a living. But there are scammers out there, and there are con people out there. I mean, has anybody, they try to scam me like at least once every three weeks on Facebook. Anybody know that? They'll duplicate, some of you are my friends, and then it'll be a friend request from you who I already know you're my friend, but I already know it's a scam. I know how it works, and they just want to get you involved. So there's scammers out there, but here's the thing I want to talk about. Um, when we arrive at retirement age And we're all getting there And let me say to you younger people Watching or here, uh, Us older people will say A hearty amen to this I was 21 and I blinked And now I'm in my 60s Am I right? It, it just goes so fast Does it not? And I know some of you New to the church You think you're in your city I thought you were like 25 I get it, okay But, uh, yeah but, um, but, you know You want to live this greater later So, You know, you want to have that retirement age where everything's right. Look, I know that I will not always be the senior pastor of the church. I know that. Now, I'll always be here. There'll be a moment I step sideways and I'll teach classes and I will for sure teach uh, uh, seniors or whatever uh, verse-by-verse study on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I'm going to do things. I'm not going to stop. I will go till I can't go anymore, you know. And, and that's just the way I am. I, I, I feel like, and you should feel this way about your life. In what you do, you have gained so much experience. Others should glean from that experience. Any Amen? You know, I've studied for 41 years. I'm not going to just sit there and say, well, I'm done now. I'm going to go plant tomatoes. That would be the worst thing I could do. So everybody's moving toward that way right there. Now, you need to be smart with your money while you're young and as you're progressing through life. Well, so what that means is this. You need to tell yourself no to a lot of things. Am I correct? Because too many people keep telling themselves yes. Do you realize in our society right now, and th- you have to think this one through, I'm gonna say it, but you gotta think it through, because it's true, that there is no more out there. I'm talking about the culture, there's no more standard for morality. Morality is simply based on will it give me pleasure or not? Am I right? And that's a terrible way to go because you're basing it on what you like and what you don't like. That's not a basis for morality. You need the lawgiver, God, give you a basis for morality. Now, if we don't learn to tell ourselves no, we'll say yes to so many things and we'll keep losing money, losing money, losing money. Instead of saying, we need to tell ourselves no and take the money that we, you know, and some things you can say yes to, don't get me wrong. But then you got to invest that money, put it into retirement accounts, and start building the income. Any amens? Because by the time you get to where you want to get to, you can live comfortably in your life. A- am I right on that? So you've got to deny yourself. The man in the story doesn't know how to manage what he's been given. Remember, how much has he been given? One talent. Well, how much money is that the equivalent of anyone remember? 16 years worth of a man's income. He's been given a lot. And he lost it all. In fact, he lost it to somebody else. And too many people do that in their life. They keep spending and spending and getting in debt and spending. And I think typically, in my opinion, through experience and talking to people and reading, I think it's because they're not happy on the inside and they need something to fill the void for that week or two when they buy the new this or the new that. They're happier for a while, then they got to go buy something else, right? But when we put Jesus as number one in our life, Jesus said that he who drinks of this water, meaning shall thirst again, meaning the world, the culture, but he who drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. In other words, only Jesus can fill the vacuum and the void in my life where I can say no to a lot of things and I can take that invested to have a greater later in my life. Any amens? This man in the story... He's you know back to the story he is this is about eternity let's get back to the the, the the literal verses what i just applied it's literally he's going to face the master jesus christ and he will have nothing to show for what he's lived it will all be gone and what he could have had a reward in eternity and we talked in that on week week 3 be given authority over cities etc you will have nothing you have nothing to show for that. So you want to experience a greater later. If you do not know how to manage what you have, what you have will go into someone else's hands, and you do not want that at all. Any amens? Okay, point two. Now here's another one. Uh, there will be a redistribution of wealth. Now, not the way the culture says. Now, I want to attack this one right here because uh, as a preacher... One of my big jobs is to give you a Bible worldview. Do you understand? And I'm always having to battle from my chair here uh, the thinking processes of the culture that's coming at you 168 hours a week, right? I get you for about 35 minutes. They get you 168 hours. If you watch my midweek Bible study, I get you for another 30 minutes. So I get you possibly for two hours and five minutes a week. They get you a whole week. And so I'm always battling the mentality of the culture versus the biblical worldview. And so let me give you something right here. There will be a redistribution of wealth, but not the way they say there is a biblical way. Watch this. And this is going to be my big crux point before I get to the end here. Look at verse 28 and 29. It says, Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. Didn't Jesus say we could have an abundant life? But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be, say it. Oh, taken away. Okay. In case some of you forgot, let's, let's put this in perspective. The master is a picture of Jesus Christ. He looks at the man with the one talent, which is 16 years worth of wages. He says, you didn't do anything with it. Take it away from him. Take all that money back. Give it to the guy who had the five talents and doubled it to 10. Five talents is 80 years worth of wages. If you double that, how many years worth of wages is that now he's got? 160 years worth of wages. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Give this one talent to that guy, and now he'll go from 160 years worth of wages to 176 years worth of wages. It almost sounds wrong, doesn't it? It almost sounds unfair that God, and Jesus speaking, its not my words, these are Jesus' words. I'm going to back it up in a second even more so. This man the wealth is redistributed to the one who risked, the one who gave effort, and the one who is faithful in their risk and their effort. Are you tracking with me on that one? Yes or no? Young David comes to the front line in 1 Samuel 17. And the question is asked because Goliath is shouting, is he not? And the question is, what will be given to the man who goes, fights him, and kills him? And the answer to the question is, well he will be given great wealth by, from the king. He gets to marry the king's daughter and his family will never have to pay taxes again. How many know that's a great reward? David goes and he risks and he gives effort and he kills him. So David gets great wealth, he gets a king's daughter and he has not done have to pay taxes the rest of his life. All the other guys, the Israelis on the sideline who were afraid to go, didn't want to go, didn't want to risk, didn't want to give effort. Do they get everything David got? And the answer is no. And rightly so, they should not get those things. Now, you may cry foul, but you'll only cry foul because your cultural thinking is off base. I give you a biblical worldview. Let me just share with you. Um, let me just talk to you. I come from a family that started a small business and was successful. I watched my mother and dad do this. I think that's a lot of why, besides being a type A personality, I think that, and God called me, I think that's why I I had the unction to start a church in the back room of my home. It's like starting a small business in one sense. And some of you have started small businesses and you've been successful. Some of you went to school, and you got your dream job, and you're successful. Some of you worked up to the company, whatever the job was, and you're making a good living, and you're, you know, you're buy your home, whatever it is, and you're successful, and you're very happy. Now let me talk to you about that. <clears throat> but what if the culture comes in saying, I hear these dialogues out there. What if the culture comes in and says, we're going to take... Instead of the percentage of income we're gonna take from you in income tax, we're gonna take 50 to 60% from you and we're gonna distribute it elsewhere to people. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? I would not be happy at all. I would not be happy one bit. Now, let me balance that statement because I'm not, I don't wanna, everything I've worked for, everything i am just you're gonna take it from me by force and give it to people that maybe didn't wanna work, maybe didn't wanna risk, Are you kidding me? Now, let me balance all these things out before you think I'm Mr. Callous Preacher, okay? I have visited third world countries. Have you ever visited one? I've visited a couple. We live in the greatest country in the world, in the history of the world. I have been to the third world countries there are no safety nets there for the handicap. I have been there and watched a man who had a stroke they live in a shack, no running water, no electricity and he lays on this little makeshift cot all day and all night and there's no safety net there's no government uh, help there whatsoever, I've seen it I've walked, I've driven the streets of Port au Prince Haiti and I've watched the unemployment rate and people walking back and forth and all day long trying to eke out a living. 80% unemployment rate when I was there in 2012. I've watched it. I thank God that I live in a country that has safety nets, don't you? That I'm okay. I'm fine with my taxes part of it, going to help the handicapped. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that they take part of my taxes and they help our wounded soldiers coming back from the service, aren't you? I'm glad. I'd be glad to give it to that. I have no problem. In fact, give more to these wounded soldiers because I get to be here in an America and I get to preach and I get to have a life and I get to have freedom and do what I like because those guys and gals did that for me. They never even met me. Can you imagine that? Now let me, I'm I'm going to go sideways and come back. Is that okay? Because I'm older now, so it doesn't matter. I can just say I didn't remember, okay? Our military. Our military, you had better always vote for having our military funded well and be the strongest military in the world. Am I right? You better vote for that all the time. Because if you don't, you say, Jim, we don't need to be that strong anymore. Then what happens is you have forgotten the past and you're destined to repeat it. You, you don't know anything about history then. Our military has to stay strong to keep our borders strong and safe, to keep all the evil at bay in this world. Let me give you a, 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 in case you've never thought about this, and you know, I preach on this every so often, so some of you are going, yeah, yeah, Jim, say it again, say it again. Okay, wait. You cannot... Come to the table and have peace talks from a position of weakness. Can you? You can't. If if there's a ninety pound weakling for you know that's the quote the the cliche and he goes to the school bully who's like six foot two hundred and says I just want peace with you. What's the bully going to (laughs) say? Yeah, right. Give me your lunch money. Now, let me tell you a story. And and one of yous out there watching in TV land right now because you couldn't make it today. You were there that day. I'm going to go back half my life ago, 10 years. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> about 30 some years ago, 30 years ago, uh, at least 30, I think. I used to take my student ministry to, uh, down to Mexico. I was a youth pastor. I was with Charlie Headley is, uh, for about five and a half years. I used to take him to Mexico, <clears throat> to like Tijuana, Rosarito, um, Tecate, and um, we used to go take food, clothing, and build homes. That's what we did. Don't think of homes like here, okay? These are teenagers I'm taking down there. One time, and we go three times a year for five and a half years. One time, I think we were coming back, and we were at a McDonald's in San Isidro. It was always like, let's go to McDonald's because they couldn't wait to eat something American again, right? We're in line. I'm standing there. There's a line here. I have two of my youth group girls in front of me. They're teenagers. There's three guys right here, and I'm going to tell you, they're pretty big guys. They're at least six, one, six, two. And I hear the one guy talking, and he's making sexual gestures towards one of my teenage girls. And I thought, did I just hear what I think I heard? And then he did it again. And I'm, I'm young at that time, okay? I'm, I'm still young. <laughs> and I trained in karate, so I'm not afraid. But I thought, why do I have to be a Christian right now? Because if I wasn't a Christian, I could fight him right now. But when I heard him a second time, I turned to him in McDonald's and I said, somewhat loud, not real loud, I go, hey, knock it off. And then I made a mistake. After I said, hey, knock it off, then I said, look, I don't want any trouble. Once I said that, what do you think he thought about me? I'm afraid I'm a sissy. And I thought, and after that, he starts telling me stuff and telling me stuff. And I could hear my two teenage kids, in they're speaking in tongues now, they're praying in tongues. And he's telling me stuff, and he's telling me stuff. And then he starts calling me a punk. And I thought, oh God, let me backslide, please, let me backslide. <laughs> and finally, it's getting more intense. And we're in these lines at McDonald's. And there's three of them, this, but one guy's the mouthy one, and so finally I had enough, because see, I knew something he didn't know. I had my older brother, Bob, and my brother-in-law, James, right around the corner, sitting at tables. I can make a three-on-three. So I turned to the guy, and finally I just go, at the top of my lungs in McDonald's, I'm a type A personality. Once you push me, it's like, okay, and at the top of my lungs, I said, you want it, you got it! Isn't that awesome? And I went around the corner, I go, Bob, James, come here, right now. Because I thought, we're going, we're going to blows now, man. Come around the corner, I'm not lying. I'm not lying when I say this. I come back, here we come, and I'm ready, man. I, you know, and the three guys, the two guys that weren't mouthing off, the one guy that was mouthing off, he had his back to us like this, and the two guys would tell him, shut up, you need to shut up. And all of a sudden, they backed way down. Because now, I have the power coming, Okay. There was three on three. Now, I'm not intimidating. You know, I'm only like five, six foot three. um. But they backed off. See, when they thought they had the advantage and they thought I was weak, they were going to run me over. But once I had the power, now they wanted peace. Any amens? That's true, not just on a micro level. That's true on a macro level. That's true worldwide when there is a good country that has the power to maintain the peace of the world there are nations that will back off am I correct? now let me tell you something about this Okay, because in case you just you do not ever want evil to win all you have to do it's Christmas right season now starting go watch It's a Wonderful Life remember if there was no George Bailey what happened to the town? Pottersville remember that? It becomes an evil place Because the good was taken out of the way If you don't believe that illustration Because Hollywood has no news stories Go watch Back to the Future 2 Okay When Biff goes back in time And gives that almanac Sports almanac to himself Anybody remember that And and Marty doesn't know that So when Marty comes back in time The whole town's changed And everything's evil Because somebody evil Has taken it over you always want your military strong because only from a position of strength can you come to the table and talk peace. And that's the only way. And that's the only way. So I'm okay. Jim, where, where are you going with this? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, no, no, I am. I'm okay with the tax money going to those things right there. Now, some of you are thinking possibly. Jim, you don't want, you don't, you don't want to help the poor? You don't want to use your... You don't want to... You don't want to take your tax money and just give it to other people. No. No. Let me explain to you how the Bible works, okay? Because there's a next story in Matthew 25. And let me read it to you. I've never done this before, but I'm going to read 15 verses. I'm always leery of reading so many because I think by verse the sixth verse, you guys are like... But listen to what Jesus says about it. Listen to what he says. And then I'm going to explain what he's saying. Briefly. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Because the whole point is redistribution of wealth. Remember the point? Don't forget that. Verse 31 says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, that's going to be a great day, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them, from one another, as a shepherd, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Followers of Christ were the sheep. Then the king will say to those on his right, The king in the story is Jesus. Come, you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And now watch what Jesus says. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. You gave me clothes. I was, in, I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? When do when we do that? Then Jesus says, there's a picture of Jesus the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, to one of these brothers of mine, Even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. It's like he's doing commentary of the one man with the one talent who did nothing. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger, naked or sick or in prison, and did not care for you? I'm going to make sure I'm going so far. Okay. Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay, what's what's Jesus saying? Biblically, biblical worldview, helping the poor is an individual choice for the believer. Did you hear what I said? There's no government enforcement there. Jesus never even partnered with government to enforce it. Never did. That's a much smarter way to go. Ah, so, well. Has government ever been really great at managing our tax money? No. And secondly, who are the most charitable people in the United States? Did you know it's the Christians? And do you know why they're the most charitable? Because somebody lives inside of them. Someone has changed their heart. His name is Jesus Christ. See, the Christian understands. I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's just that simple. If they would cut our taxes down, let us have more money, we could do more with it. Any amens? If, I'll, I'll, now I'm going to needle the church. If every church person would tithe, can you imagine how many people we could help? Amen. Oh, man. If that was true in all churches? If every individual here in this room watching there on, in TV land at home would go with those nudges and urges of the Spirit of God to help somebody, can you imagine? Three weeks ago, I'm driving home, and... I hate to share stories about myself but I just got to share one and I see a man sleeping on a bench in Corona and it's a cold night and it pops in my heart you have sleeping bags in your garage I go but God those are my backpacking sleeping bags because go get that guy one I go visit my, my my granddaughter Willa and it's in the back of my mind. You go get that sleeping bag. After visit, well, I visit Will, I go home. I go in my garage, pull out one of my backpack and sleeping bags. And I go back, and I park near, and I walk up, and I always think, I wonder what people are thinking. Pastor Jim's walking Main Street. <laughs> and he's carrying a bag. And I woke the guy up on that bench. It was still daylight. And I said, I got your sleeping bag. It's a good one, it'll keep you warm. What if we all did that? What if we all went with those nudges in our heart? That's what that story is telling us. Why are we leaving it to somebody else who doesn't manage it that well? We're blessed to be a blessing. It's a personal thing that God calls us to, not a government enforced thing. The man who is successful in the story, the wealth redistribution, it goes to him, which really would gnaw at people in the culture. But because that man's responsible, he knows what to do with the stuff. See, when you and I know what to do with the stuff and we're responsible, God's going to give us more, is he not? Because we can be trusted with what God has given us. It's just that simple. It's so simple. And we didn't, it'd be great if we could change the whole structure like that, but we can change it on an individual basis. Can we not? Go with the nudges in your heart. Because you know what? That's where life really happens. That's when you know the Spirit of God just spoke to me and I obeyed it one of the greatest things you can do in life now i I gotta finish i gotta finish number three and that's this i can choose frustration or fulfillment i can choose one or the other it's just that simple back to chapter 25 look at verse 30 and he finishes off this way here's what jesus says at the end of the story here's the bummer part okay um, throw out the worthless slave that's fun huh into the outer darkness that's more fun huh In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there are some people that say this man has been cast into hell. There are some people that say this is more talking about being frustrated in life and and facing Jesus. I tend to go with the frustration part. No, you can go with the hell part. It's okay. But I can't see how... This person who's under the master, a follower of Christ, is not saved or condemned by what they do in life. Any amens? You're saved by faith, what you believe. You put your faith in Jesus. Now, this man did nothing, but he's still part of the whole system here with God, but there will be frustration in this man's life. Did you notice what Jesus called the man? He called him worthless. You know what that literally means? It means useless. I'll take it a step further. It means unmeritorious. Now, when you go to your job and you work, whether you work a part-time job, full-time job, you are meriting a paycheck. Are you not? You merit that. You earn that. Jesus says of this man, you've earned nothing. You haven't worked. You haven't applied yourself. You're just sitting around wanting somebody else to be responsible and you're blaming me, the boss. And so no, you don't get the joy of the man with the five talents or the two talents. You get the regret of what you have because of what you have not done. Does that make sense? Now watch. Now I'm going to drive this home. Now that's my bad part. Are you done now with the bad part? Okay, good. Okay. Now watch this. 2 Timothy 4. I'm going to drive it home. Yeah, I'm good. I'm timing. Can I go another 40 minutes? I'm joking. I'm joking. Some of you didn't like that at all, huh? Now, watch 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, 7, 8. This is Paul, New Testament writer, is writing. Brilliant man. Hated Christians, killed Christians, becomes a Christian, plants churches. Verse 6 it says, For my, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, I'm dying. Notice he calls his life an offering. Our life is an offering unto God on a moment by moment basis, is it not? And the time of my departure has come. I'm dying. The time for me to move on now. I'm dying. This is it. I'm near the end. And notice what he says. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. Does that sound like a guy? Who didn't do anything for God, or who start, stop, start, stop, or a guy who did, you know, served Jesus for six years, then said, "That's enough. I'm going to spend the next 30 years just coasting." Does that sound like a guy like that? No. This guy put his hand to the plow. He uses gifts, talents, and abilities all of his life, and he knew it. So he doesn't have a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas in his life. And notice, verse eight, what he says. He says, "In the future, greater later." there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Does he look for a reward for all that he's done for Jesus? Say yes. And he knows it's coming. He has lived his life. He uses gifts, talents, and abilities. He's applied them vocationally, ministerially, and he knows there's a reward for him when he gets there. Okay, let me drive it home. <clears throat> it's, it's Christmas season. Some of you get to put your lights up now, right? Thanksgiving's over. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the, uh, I think it's the 50s, 1950s version of A Christmas Carol with Al Star Sims. Sims, Sims. I love that version. It's black and white. It's just, it's English, and I think their accents are perfect for that, story, for that movie. I love it. I watch it every year. But you all know the story of Scrooge, right? Right? He's a Scrooge. He's so stingy. He won't do anything for anybody. He just accumulates and accumulates and accumulates. And then he has the dream. And the dream shocks him. Snaps him out of his ways. And he wakes up. And remember his words? He says is it still Christmas? I hope I haven't missed it. And then he realizes he hasn't missed it. And he goes and he starts blessing everybody because he's got so much. But here's the thing, guys. That's a movie. And it's a dream. You and I aren't living a dream that we're going to wake up from and get a second chance. We're living real life. We're living real life. And we're to do something with what we have. And you just can't sit back on your hands and say, oh, I'm never going to help. I'm never going to serve. I'm never. You can't do that. That's not who you are. That's not even a Jesus attitude. Let me give you the last thought. Last thought. In Psalm 41, there's a statement David Writes. And the statement that he writes is a thousand years before it happens. Isn't that something? That's one of the things I like about the Bible. He says, um, He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Hmm, that's interesting. He writes this a thousand years before Jesus would sit at that Last Supper and fulfill that verse where Jesus takes some bread at the table and gives it to Judas. Judas takes the bread. But then Judas splits. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. You see, what Judas did was he'll take what Jesus has to give him but he spurns relationship. He spurns responsibility. And when it says, he who ate my bread, the lucky charms I ate on Tuesday, those are Jesus' lucky charms. The car you drove here, that's Jesus. I'm just talking to followers of Christ right now. The home you live in, that belongs to Jesus. The other homes you have that are rentals, those belong to Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ. If you have children, those belong to Jesus. They're on loan to you. The money in your retirement accounts, savings accounts, those belong to Jesus. It's his bread. It's his bread. Now, you could take the bread and you could be like Jesus, I'm not going to have any relationship, but do what I want with it and leave. Or you could take responsibility because remember what the verse said. He in whom I trusted took my bread, lifted up his heel against me. Don't forget the word trust in there. It's the last out of the whole series. The whole series. God trusts you. God's given to you. Gifts, talents, abilities, time, money, etc., etc. It's His bread. Can He trust you with it to do something with it for Him for the rest of your life? Or is it just... Eh, I'll take the bread and I'm out of here like Judas what's it going to be what's it going to be because you and I are going to stand there one day and we've got to give an account we have to give an account of what we did the last question what will you do with the bread that Jesus has given you series over Del Campo out let's pray here we go God, we, 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 Lord, we can take credit for nothing. That's the Christian perspective. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. It's that simple. It's a three-part process. Lord, help us to live this thing. Help us to walk. It's a much better life. You're the fulfillment. Otherwise, we live in frustration. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. And we'll be like the man with the one talent, stand there and say, well, it's your fault, your fault, you never gave me nothing, your fault. In other words, not my responsibility, you're responsible for me. Terrible message that man with one talent was preaching. God, I I pray this all made sense. What will you do with what God has given you? What will you do? Because one day, you're going to stand there and so am I. And we will give an account. What will you do from here on out? What will you do? Now, as we sit here this morning, and if you're watching out there, if you're watching the replay of this during the week, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ... What, what I mean by that is you've never acknowledged Jesus as God in the flesh, which He is, as the Lord of your life, which He can be, as your Savior, saving you from your sins. Then maybe today's the day, because Jesus, who come from a different uh, dimension, visits this system that He created that we live in, and he goes to a cross and he carries our sins. Yours and mine. He becomes a substitute for our sins. Why? Whoa, whoa, why do you need to do that? Because sin is the one thing that will keep us out of eternity with God the Father. God is holy. Sin cannot enter into holiness. So Jesus came and shed his blood. He was a sinless sacrifice, carried our sins, and it's that blood that can forgive our sins. Because you couldn't do enough good deeds. Well, Jim, you spent a whole message talking about good deeds. Yes, after I become a Christian, I'm to do good deeds. I'm not saved by good deeds. And good deeds can never, never wipe away all my sins, they don't have the power inherent. Only the blood of Jesus does. So you could put your faith in Him today and begin your walk. And don't tell me that you look out at a world and a culture that makes sense to you because it doesn't make sense. It's crazy out there. The only one that makes sense is Jesus. The only light that shines in the midst of the darkness of the ages is Jesus. The only one that will give you peace in the midst of all the chaos is Jesus. He will give you purpose. He will give you reason. He will give you identity. You are not an accident. But you got to put your faith in Him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to put your faith in Him. And if you backslid, you know what that means. I don't have to go into, I don't have to elaborate that. You need to come back. Get it right. I'm going to give you that opportunity too. So if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus for the first time ever, I remember when I did it. it It's great. We'd like to return to Jesus. I want you to to do this simple thing. Everybody here, repeat this prayer after me. Um, And those of you who want to put your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, you repeat this prayer also. Whether here or at home, Put your faith in Jesus as you say it. Here we go. Everybody here say it out loud. Say it aloud at home, wherever you're watching. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would come to save me, that you would take all my sins and carry them upon your body and die in my place to shed your blood to forgive me of everything. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm born again. I know I'm saved. Today, I choose to follow you and become a believer. Now let me pray. God, God, I just pray for those who said this prayer for the first time and those who rededicated. I pray they follow you. Gosh, I pray they follow you because now the Spirit of God lives in them. The Holy Spirit, the one who can give inner peace in the midst of chaos. The one that can reduce and erase fear in the midst of a society that casts fear upon us left and right. The one that can give us a good night's sleep and calm our mind down. The one who can give us security and not fear that somebody's going to leave us. The one that can open the doors for us if we live correctly and right according to the scriptures and take responsibility for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for all those who said that prayer first time in rededication and all of us here and watching at home. What are we going to do for Jesus with the life that we have left? It's his bread. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, Amen. Amen if you need prayer or dedicated your life to christ please reach out to us on our social media on facebook and instagram at nbcc norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. thank you for listening don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast